Turn up, tune in, get loose. Culture gang for the gang, yeah, we make a moves. Yeah. Talk it every day, yeah, we bring the good news. Culture gang, culture gang, we ain't never finna lose. Culture gang, what up? Culture gang, what up? Culture gang, culture gang, yeah, yeah, that's us. Culture gang, what up? Culture gang, what up? You are now tuned in, culture gang, what's up? Yo, yo, yo. Yo. Are we here? Are we all together? Are we all in the same place in the same time, breathing the same air? Are we here? Is this it? <laughs> gang, oh, man. Gang. We, gang, gang, we are live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Culture Gang Podcast Show. Guess what, y'all? Gang, gang is in the building. We still working on that applause button, y'all. We still working on that applause button. We working on that. But yo, man, what is the deal, man? I am DJ Coldplay. Y'all already know who I am, man. Energy guy, all fluff, all energy, all hot air. But I got my other two brothers that bring the content, that bring everything that needs to, uh, uh, that helps us balance this wonderful thing we have called the the Culture Game Podcast Show, man. To my left is my big brother. Little but big brother, uh, <laughs> PYNCKO. Holla at the people, my guy. Yo, yo, what's up, culture fam? How y'all doing tonight? Look, man, we got an awesome show for y'all tonight, man. Some impactful uh, stuff gonna be happening tonight, so man, looking forward to it. And of course, you know, shout out to my fellas here, DJ Coldplay, big brother Ra. Yo, what's going on, sir? What's going on? Let's do it, man. We got a, like you said, we got a special guest. Um, I'm excited to be back for with all the culture gang, the culture fam, and uh, yo, tune in. Don't don't go away. Stay tuned. I feel like it's a promo. You know, don't stay. Don't go away. Stay tuned. And we got some good stuff, some very informative stuff that could help you and everyone around you. Um, and so I'm not even gonna get too much into it because it's gonna be it's gonna be fire. So I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. Fire, fire, indeed. Culture fan, what is up, culture fan? We know you're, we know y'all out there. Come on and tune on in, man. Get on in this room and talk, talk with us tonight, man. Get on in. We got a, a great, great show. We got a great show. The wives are already tuning in. The wives are already tuning in. So that's what's up. That's what's up, man. We have a great guest tonight, man. Um, but uh, we just going, you know, we going to shoot the breeze a little bit, man. Um, our, our guest is not ready just yet. He will be on momentarily. So we're gonna shoot the breeze with y'all, man. Um, you know, big Rob, man. Like, like you, you got a new position, man. So you know, congratulations on that, bro. Congratulations, <laughs> man. Well, appreciate Yo. it. Appreciate yeah, it. Tell us about. Tell us a, just a, just a smidge. Just tell us something small about this new position hey, you in, bro. Basically. I got snacks for days, man. Like, if you need some Oreos, <laughs> some, some crackers, whatever you need, I got it. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to start this new position. Um, but yo, I'm let's 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 do it, man. I'm excited. So yeah, I'm ready for it. Yes, sir, man. Look, look, man. We we gotta the Bible tells us to what celebrate with those who are celebrating. So yes, listen, yes. that's what we want to celebrate, man. We want to celebrate around his new position, man. He got snacks for days, bro. So we, me and CK, me, me and PYNCK, we was already tell, we already told him like, yo, just, just let us know your route, man, and we'll conveniently show up. We'll just show up wherever you at, man, so we can get the snack drop. You know what I'm saying? We gotta get that snack yeah. drop. You know what I'm saying? We gotta get on that. We gotta get on. That. We gotta bring the goodies home back to the wives and whatnot. You know? <laughs> See, look, look, look. Coach, Coach Fram already talking about they, they, they on it. They on it. So listen, we we gonna bring we gonna bring uh we gonna make sure we get the we get the goodies from Rob Big Rob man Big Rob. 
anyways, man. So, culture fan, what up, Mark? I see you on there, baby. What up, Mark? Uh, what up, Asha? What up, wifey? Uh, waiting for sis, my sis, Chris. I ain't see her up there. She goes right on up. <laughs> I was about to say, where she at? I know she in the building. Where she at? So, yo, make sure y'all like, share, subscribe, do all of the things, man, that help us to help us get this show out there, man, because this is good stuff, man. And we know that y'all enjoy it from the feedback that we get, man. So we know that you guys are enjoying it. So make sure that somebody else gets to enjoy it, man, because we want to be able to get this message out to the world. We want to be able to get these resources. We want to be able to get these guests. We want to get their names out there. We want to get their their uh, impact out there. We want to be able to uh, make sure that we do a good show of uh, do a good job of promoting our people, man, and uh, doing what we need to do, man, to, to, to point people in the right direction, man, especially uh, with the second season that we have going on, man. Um, talking about building a bridge, man, that's what we want to do, man. And um, today's guest is, is one of those one of those people who's going to help us build a bridge, man, between faith and culture, man. And um, I think that's very, very important, man, that we build the bridge between faith and culture. Listen, we don't always have to agree on everything. So let, let's put that out there right now, because a lot of us get this misconception on this, this notion that we have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't. We don't. That's the, that's the beautiful thing about us as humans. You know what I mean? And that's the beautiful thing about being mature and growing up is that we don't have to always agree on everything, but we can still see eye to eye. We may not have the same ways. We may not think different. We may not think the same things. We may not pray to the same God, but look, that we still have a common thing that we can do for somebody. You know what I'm saying? There's a common goal that we want to reach and that we want to push. There's certain, uh, we don't want to push every agenda, but we do want to push certain agendas that are, that are going to be beneficial to our communities. Um, so, you know, I'm doing a lot of talking, man. PYM, man, come on, add just two cents in a little bit, just a little bit, man. Yo, man, yo, what you said is is true, man. It's uh, you know, we we don't want to push uh too much. Yeah, you know, we we are men of the kingdom, um, but we understand that resources are available everywhere. Um, and while we might not, you know, uh, we might have philosophical and spiritual differences, you know, amongst our people, we still, you know, the word, the word. Let's let's go there. The word tells us, you know, that we should live peaceably with all men. You know, so, you know, that that's 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 word. It's not my word. It's God's word. Um, so, you know, when, we, when we're able to meet somebody that's doing something big for the communities, you know, we know what's going on out here in this world. And, you know, we see somebody that's really making a difference that's able to supply some resources or provide some resources and outreach, you know, for neighborhoods, for uh, troubled youth, especially, you know, uh, this guest we have tonight, you know, just providing things, you know, that a lot of men are missing. And, you know, that father, that father figure. Um, and sometimes, you know, with, with society the way it is now, we're starting to see that, you know, the father figure isn't just maybe a father figure, a singular figure, but, you know, a community of fathers or, or a brotherhood, so to speak. So, you know, definitely looking forward, you know, to what we got and, you know, we're going to keep on going on. Yes. Yeah, we're going to keep going. Right. Go ahead, man. Add your two cents, my guy. Yeah, man. It's just, you know, we... Things like this is definitely needed. It's so important for our community. And like you said, this is this is about bridging the gap, right? So, you know, we we love everyone, you know, we love everybody and we want whatever's best for us and our and our people and our communities. Um, and that's not just limited to to black, uh, but everybody. Um, but I think this is definitely a step in the right direction for us. 
and for for the church in general you know what i mean to to do things like this because a lot of times we get segregated and act like you know we we dehumanize uh people or just kind of separate uh ourselves from the world as if you know we're like too spiritual to 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 relate to people um so i think this is a very good thing that we're doing right now and um this is the start i believe of more of this coming you know um, not only this season for us, but next season, you know, we definitely want to kind of keep this going, um, bridging that gap and bridging the 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 divide, you know, so we can understand, so we can have a common understanding of what's going on in our own neighborhoods, you know, because um, if we continue to, to be divided, we don't even know what's going on. You know, we, don't, we can't even address the issues that that come up in our community if we're not there if we're not talking to to everybody if we're not uh engaging so that's it so um i know our guest is uh about to come on soon so you gotta pay attention i'm talking while i'm eating <laughs> you know what i mean we, we we just lost uh our energy dude here he is he's back yo my bad my bad right yo what happens is <laughs> When I be trying to do different things, I always hit the wrong button. It kicks me completely out. I be trying to come back to the screen, and then it just kicks me completely out. So I just got to learn this whole thing. So my right. bad, y'all. But anyway, Rob, what you were saying. I was like, dang, man, I'm, I'm that boring? You just going to cut me <laughs> off like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, never that, sir. Never, never, never no, that. I, mean, never I that. was just, you know, I said pretty much what I was saying as far as bridging the gap, you know, and um, getting rid of that divide and just learning more about what's going on so we can be able to help and be able to diagnose it. So again, you know, our, our guy is, is here. So um, let's do it. <laughs> Dad, right. You just kind of just cut everything. I was like, yeah, yeah, our guy's here. Let's go. No, I'm, just, I'm, just, <laughs> let's, I'm with you, Rob. Let's do this. Let's do this. All man. right. Yo, without, without further ado, man, uh, we have our, our, our esteemed guest here, man. He is, um, he is the the the, the CEO of Fa the Fathership Foundation based in Southwest Philly, man. Um, you see him on the screen, man. This is our guest for tonight, man. He is my brother, man. Um, just a quick thing before I let him before I turn him loose on y'all, man. How we met, man. Y'all know I'm a Comcast tech, so I you know I see people. I get to go in people's houses, man. And um, when I went in his house to you know fix fix everything up, man. Um. It was uh, I just felt like a connection. Like I was like, man, I need to talk to this dude. Like I need to talk to this brother, man. There's something about this brother, man. And when you're in people's house, you see him. You see him at their natural state, man. So he was very welcome and very warm, very receptive, man. Happy that I fixed this cable, <laughs> but uh, you know, but he was very warm and very very receptive, man. And um, I just felt a special connection, man. And then when he started to tell me about his mission. Man, I was on board, man, and I loved every piece of it, man. So, uh, without further ado, man, we have Dr. Jonathan Wilson Jr., CEO of Fathership Foundation. What's going on, my guy? What's going on, bro? What's up, man? How you guys, doing, man? Thanks so much for having me. Man, listen, thank you so much for uh, for for coming on, man. To for agreeing with us, uh, for for agreeing to come on, man. I th I think it was very important to get somebody like you on the show, man, especially with the theme of the show being bridging the gap between faith and culture and then wanting to do um, this season was about connecting people to resources, man, connecting people to things that's going on in their neighborhoods that they may not know about. Now, fathership been getting blown up now. So people probably, people probably know now, you know what I'm saying? People probably know about what's going on at Father, uh, Fathership Foundation now. 
But uh, first, uh, when I first met you, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, you, you was you had it together, but you were still in the building stages. But now, um, since since we've talked, uh, I think it's been about almost a year now, maybe even maybe maybe a little past a year now. Um, and now it has blown up to such levels, man. But I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse, man. So listen, man, um, tell us just a, a small, small smidget about yourself, man. And then we're going to get into what we want to talk about. Uh, my name is Dr. Jonathan Wilson. I'm originally from San Diego, California, Southeast San Diego. Um, I moved to Philadelphia when I was about 15 in Delaware County, Southwest Philadelphia area. I'm a graduate of John Bartram High School, Cheney University, and Wilmington University. Um, I hold uh, a bachelor's in special education, a master's in human services administration, and a doctorate in education. Just a little bit. So. All right, man. Sir. The doctor is smart, smart, y'all. He ain't just smart. He's <laughs> smart, smart. You got to put two of them things on there. Smart, smart. But listen, man, um, Fathership Foundation is, is doing a lot of things, man. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about Fathership Foundation and what is what is doing and what, what you know, what you've been receiving on the back end of it. But I just want to um, ask you about the, the origin of, of Fathership Foundation. Like, how did it start? Like, where did the uh, um, where did the idea from this for, for this come from? Like, you know, what state of mind? Let me. What were the circumstances that you said? You know what, man? Fathership Foundation, man. This is a, this is going to be A B C D E F G. Like, tell us a little bit about that, man. Well, ever since I was a, um, a freshman at Cheney, um, I started to get the obligation bug of the HBCU, right? So it's like you're in this bubble where you're being shaped to go out and do something great in the world. And you're exposed to all these people that came before you, the other students around and things of that nature. So I always wanted to do something great and always had a particular interest mm -hmm. in history and making history and doing things like that. Um, but as a youth, I guess I took the wrong, took the wrong paths. Um, kept trying to put positive energy into negative things. And then eventually I ended up crashing and burning. So had drug habit, violence habit, <clears throat> still smart, still playing both sides of the street, playing a little bit of the street, um, a little bit in academics. And then it was only a matter of time because you can't sustain that kind of, um, that, that kind of lifestyle. So, um, to get to the origin of, I found myself in jail, um, in solitary confinement, trying to figure it all out. And at that time, um, I was, I was in, I was in solitary confinement for about like, two, almost three weeks. And, and while I was there, I had, um, limited resources. So, um, not only did I get like one phone call a day, I only had, um, uh, a encyclopedia. So I think I, <laughs> so I think I read <laughs> almost everything that has to do with the letter A. I remember, um, for example, Agnaton learned all about him <laughs> from that. <laughs> uh, uh, King Touch Dad <laughs> learned about him from that experience. But at any rate, man, I started to look around and think about what was going on. At this point, I had a college degree and I was in jail, you know, the jail of the jail, you know, they call it the whole. So um, I was sitting there like, man, what what is the problem? Maybe I should address what's going on here, you know. Um, 
this is before I really was familiar with mass incarceration, structural inequality, cultural violence, any of those concepts, intersectionality. Before I was ever familiar with any of those concepts, I was just there trying to figure it out. And I said, well, I looked around and said, well, you know what, what, what do we all have in common? And the main thing that I felt right away was that we all didn't have fathers, right? We all didn't have fathers, all of us in there, no matter what age we are, our fathers dropped the ball some kind of way. But I said, wait a minute, we biologically, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have any fathers. But what we're missing is a different concept, the acts and duties associated with being a committed father. And that's when I came up with the um, the concept of fathership, uh, the acts or duties associated with being a committed father. That's the action. That's the censorship. That's the partnership with mom. It's showing up to the game, taking them on trips, um, things of that nature, exposing them to what they're supposed to be exposing to, protecting them, protecting them and providing. Some of the things that um, I was I was uh, uh, thinking about in the, with the concept. So I said, well, there needs. Oh, <clears throat> got that going in and out right now. Guys, hear me. It needs to be. It needs to be an agency. I thought about other agencies, like you know, things that deal with maybe uh, abused women or homelessness and things of that nature. And I was saying there needs to be an agency that just deals with men and men's issues. And if this is in, if this is an example of our problems, then we have a, a lot of work to do as far as uh, mass incarceration. So at, at some point, I was released from solitary confinement and went back to the, now I can do the regular um, activities of, of regular prisoners. So I was able to go to the group, you know, um, mess hall or the child hall. And I remember coming in and just, like I said before, having this moment where I just saw all these baby faces and was just thinking to myself how much of a squander of um, human capital it is um, when it comes to incarceration and the waste of time, the toll on the community, the trauma of the people there. And I thought about if any of the people there, the young guys there, was anything like me at that time, I'm a dinosaur now, but at that time I was 37. And I was like, well, this is too late for people to be getting together. If I'm an example if, of, what's go, of what generally happens, this is messed up. So I got to get out and um, do something about it. Unfortunately, I got out and did nothing about it. <laughs> so um, it took some time. So um, I was really focused. And there's nothing more focused than the gentleman that's, that's uh, returning from jail and trying to get it together for all the right reasons. Um, but within about three to four weeks has been my experience, my personal experience, a lot of the focus and discipline and plans and ideas start to wear, wear off because um, uh, the life shows up. You know what I'm saying? You might not have a church home. You not, might, might not have a strong belief system. Um, you might just kind of be floating around. And, then, and that is a dangerous uh, um, place to be in. But at any rate, later on, I had a tragedy, got shot, and um, and I said, you know what? Let me do the let me let me create that agency, and that's how it started. Man, <clears throat> wow, sheesh! I mean, to 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 just to know that piece of that story, you know. Now, I, I, let me ask you this: like, you know, 
being who you are now, you called yourself a fossil, which was funny. <laughs> but, um, you know, how, like, what is the what? All right. So I'm trying to word this correctly. What is it to have that college degree? Like, how, how did it impact you to know that you had a college degree, to know that you had the intelligence and the smarts to do right, but yet you still found yourself back in prison? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, like yeah, you know. So that um, From the outside looking in, um, every smart person probably knows they're smart like any other person. And that doesn't necessarily um, mean that you're going to do the right things by yourself. You know, you know, leverage your um, talents and gifts. People just don't do it. I mean, you know, guys, you know, would have could have went to the league and stopped smoking weed and just hanging around the way. So it's the same thing with any any gift or talent that God gives us. We have to make sure that we don't don't bury it. And that's generally what, what, what was happening. Um, I felt as though with all the traumas from my life, I was more like a wounded, wounded eagle hanging around with chickens that I was cool with. But at no time, wow. chickens. Wow. But at that time, I couldn't fly because I was wounded. I had to heal. But once I healed, unfortunately, I kept hanging around with chickens. Hold on one second, brother. Yo, he All just right. said a lot right there, though. He like, did. He did. You that know. that whole wounded chickens <laughs> and eagles. That analogy. That was that was fire. <laughs> yeah, definitely fire. Dude, that, that was fire. Happen, and then the chickens love you too, and you love them, and you respect everyone, but you're not a chicken. So it took some time for me to understand, man. You're an eagle, and you gotta fly. So it don't, you know. And that was just a developmental thing that 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 had that had to happen, and it finally happened. Um, I think by like. Uh, from the time that I got shot after just dealing with the last time I was shot. I got shot in 07 as well, right? Not too far, like three years, three, three, three four years apart. And then, um, you know, so it was really, it was, it was an issue. Very, very, very interesting. Uh, we got, we got the culture fam chiming in. Uh, you know, we got a couple of people chiming in. Um, saying that 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 you're that 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 one statement really impacted a lot of people <laughs> that oh, yeah. one statement man being being a, a eagle but hanging around being a wounded eagle but hanging around chickens like you know what i mean that's that's good stuff you're making me hungry too doc i ain't even gonna hold you bro you're making me hungry man <laughs> talking about chicken you know you can't do that to black folks man you can't you can mention a lot of birds but chicken can't be one of them because instantly we thinking about food i ain't thinking about no farm Right. Thinking about fried chicken, right? So you know you can't you can't do that. So now I got to go tell my wife cook me some chicken. So go cook me some chicken, babe. Right after this show, I need to play the chicken. But anyway, um, <laughs> CK Rob, man, y'all 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 got something for the doc, man? Because this is good stuff, man. I don't want to be the one doing all the talking here. I oh, know it's, it's it's you know it's definitely good stuff. I, I do have a a quick question, and and you probably you know I think you kind of answered it, but I'm gonna ask anyway. So what kept you motivated to see this through? Like once you got out that second time and said, you saw the need, you, you know, identified the need, what, what made you, what pushed you? What was it that said, you know, all right, I got to see this through this time. Uh, it was more than one thing. I think that um, one of the main things that drives me and drives me today is the obligation to my people 
that was um, fostered at Cheney University. So, and there's something to be said about what the HBCUs, HBCUs do. is like they get you and they train you how to think and they give you such a balcony perspective that you can never lose it. You're always looking down like, man, how can I fix this? And that never, that never left. It was upon like, it was more like, when are you going to get to it? Or when are you going to live up? How are you going to live up to your potential? You are great. You are, you know, all the things that they tell you as a freshman and, and stuff at the HBCU. And that, you're just bombarded with all this um, obligation and pride. And it just, just never left. And in addition to like, you know, personal aspirations and achievement, want to be to achieve things, just basic things, just to be successful and things like that. But that was the main thing that, that kept driving me that I had so much to give from an HBCU perspective and not so much um, uh, just a specific thing, but to give up myself. And that's what was implanted, you know, at that time at Cheney University. Yo, that's 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 awesome. I'm sorry. Was somebody else about to say something? Yeah, I was just gonna. Um, oh, go ahead, right? I'm sorry. I was just gonna ask another question because, um, you know, that's a lot of people may have the same um, desire to kind of help in the community. So my question would be: So you wanted to do this, mm -hmm. but how did you start it? Like, like, you know, because we have ideas, but what was like the first things you did? Like, how did you get? The, the people to support you? How did you get the funding? Like, how did you actually start it? Okay, so the first thing I had to do was become a legal entity. So on the thing, and I, and I, first of all, let me tell you this. Everybody wants to be successful, right? But that is a general idea. If I said, hey, culture gang, do you plan on getting hit with a stray bullet? You plan on being a bum? You would say like, you would say, no, I plan on being successful. Well, okay, how are you going to do that? Now, once you make that into a plan and once you write that, it turns into a plan. And all you have to do now is step one, step two, step three, A, B, and C. Now, there's something to be said about the discipline of completion. And mm -hmm. that's what I got over time. You have to complete it. So you wrote it on the paper. You wrote it. Now you have to have the wherewithal to do it. So the first step was to get a plan. Okay, I'm gonna get a business plan. Well, funny story. So I I graduated with the masters. I finally I finally got the 501c3 paid for um, during my time as a graduate student. So I'm doing it all in all in one stride, right? Got the business plan. Got back into school. Got the name for the organization. I'm now using all the talents and gifts of the people around me and myself to create this. Um, these three programs that are going to get funded because I'm just so great, right? <laughs> right? So I'm sitting here doing all of this stuff, getting it together, and then I have I had to do an assignment that was like an overview of the of the agency. So I was moving around, you know, some influential people in government, civic, and political leadership, and a mentor of mine had a woman that was a um, she had used to work for the governor. And she was a um, grant writer and understood everything in the nonprofit space. I got a meeting with her, right? And she looked at my overview, right? And um, I, you know, I didn't see a, she wasn't, <laughs> needless to say, she was not impressed with it. 
right? So at that point, I knew I had to turn up. So I was getting better and better and understanding that there was a structure to things. It was a way you had to present them. So um, I went and got a professional business plan made. And the next time I saw her, I handed her that. And she shook her head. Yeah, so I knew that that, that was kind of, the. I had to operate at a higher standard, higher than a, a, a higher than an industry standard, um, just based on that experience. I knew I had to, I had to always produce. I couldn't just, say, hey, this is an idea I have, and it's an overview. It had to be tip top. I paid five hundred dollars for that, for that, um, for that business plan, and then started to work it. And it, it was, it was, and it was the experts did it. So all I had to do was stick to the script that they that they did. So I got that. Ended up um, working so hard, and then when I graduated, I was able to um, to launch it. I still didn't have a brick, any brick and mortar, but I had these three programs that I knew they were valuable, and they were going to change um, my community. So I just got to work, um, and then just kind of was learning as I I went. Now it's interesting you asked me that question because how I got it to work was getting that formal education to see it through. So not only did I have an idea, not only did I have the passion to do it, but I also needed the theory because I had seen people around me in my neighborhood, people that <clears throat> have organizations, you know, clubs and things to, to try to help. And when they don't have the finances and they're not structured correctly, a lot of those just wonderful programs end up in the um, program graveyard. So I didn't want that to happen. I wanted to do things correctly. And I had one more motivation. I had worked at Germantown Settlement. And if you're from Philadelphia, you know about Germantown Settlement. Germantown Settlement is no more. But they, because of mismanagement, but they touched, you know, a quarter million people a month. So I said, there has the Germantown Settlement is gone. Who's going to come? Google Germantown Settlement. They had two charter schools. They had programs from the cradle. They had the whole uptown on smash. Now they got this disbanded by a federal judge because they was managing funds. And I was like, wow, that's such a that's such a tragedy. It seems when we get things, we can't seem to hold them together. And you know how old it was? 120 years old. So it was just like that was just such a loss. I was like, I, I want to be the next Germantown Settlement, but I'm gonna start it on the other side of the city, and I'm gonna do it correctly. So that's some of the um, motivations and things that went into and the attitude toward my business that went into um, how I got to where I am today. Man, wow. You dropped several bombs on us there, man. Um, a lot of a lot of the stuff you said points points to one specific scripture, and that is um, in Habakkuk. Write the vision and make it plain. You know what I'm saying? So when people see it, they can run with it. And not only that, um, you said so much more, you gave so much more insight into not just, you can write it down and you can make it plain, but you got to do the work. You know what I'm saying? That that comes along with it and you got to do the groundwork. I mean, you paid professionals. You did a, a couple of things. You 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 went to the, you said you had education. You had a lot of stuff backing you up. And then you had, and then you talked about failure because the first time you presented that business plan, she laughed at you. Well, not laughed at you, but she shook her head at you. <laughs> and she was super dope. And I was just trying. I was, and I, I was like, man, I got, I got, I got to tighten up. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I never wanted to to feel like that. Now, and something to be said about the planning too. 
and this is what it took to get through a lot of things, is that when you're when you're doing a step-by-step plan, when you're doing a step-by-step plan, say it's, it, it's 10 steps, when you get to eight and nine, don't start messing around. For example, if somebody says, I need to, I need to raise $20 to do this successful thing, doesn't matter what it is. And when you get to 18, you get two friends that also got 18 and they said we could put all our 18s together and we can do this. And you say, you know what? It's a gamble, it's a risk, you know, but I'll do it. And you lose your 18. Now you're back down to two because you got you you got caught up with an uh, uh, a distraction that was disguised as an opportunity. The opportunity was in completing your plan. Mm, come right? on. At two more units to go before you had the 20. And then you get this distraction disguised as what? Now you're back to two. And that can right. happen in a lot of different segments of your life. You know, planning for to leave a job, get a job, to pop or something, to anything, anything in our social uh in, in, in the arena. But the thing is you you have to you have to have that, you have to have that focus. Definitely, man. Um, great, great business points. Great, great stuff, man. Great stuff so far, man. I'm so glad that you're here, man. Dropping these, dropping, dropping gems on us, man. And it's and it's always good to have somebody actually doing it that's being successful at it, for, so that you can point to and say, "Hey, Dr. John did it. I can do it." Now I got to go talk to Dr. John about how he did it, and then you go see Dr. John. And he's going to say, "Okay, you want to do this? All right, let's do it." But <laughs> don't skip. Eight through ten. <laughs> Don't skip those steps. Um, yo, let's let, let's let's read some of the comments we got coming in, man. Because we got some stuff, man. You 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 light some people up today, Doctor John. We gonna have to have you back, bro. I'm telling you now. <laughs> Definitely. Let's go, bro. Let's let's, let's get some comments in. Look, we, we got Mrs. Cole said you gonna have to wait on that chicken, bro. <laughs> you know, just just blame you know. Blame Doctor John, man. He the one start talking <laughs> about chicken. Blame him. <laughs> well, we we got David Burns watching from Cedar Hill, Texas. What's what up, up Dave? Dave? What, up, what up, man? Yeah, look, Dina's all she on fire, like loving this man. She loves the HBCUs <laughs> and you know, yes, completion, man. You, you said a lot, bro. Yeah, Doc, you said a lot. Um, brother Marcus, you know, so important to power empower our youth. You know, consistency, drive, and determination goes a long way. Absolute facts. You know, another Absolute. shout out from uh David just saying what up, fellas. Um, and the missus, I like the fact you paid for professional help. Yeah, talk about it. People try to do things without properly investing and wonder why well, it's listen, just mediocre. I got another story, right? <laughs> this is the one this is about professional being uh, you know, referring to the experts, dealing with experts, dealing with people that can. It's big lessons that I learned, right. Now, when you are a talented person, you have, you're a skilled person, you got some anointing on you, you like to do things yourself. Hey, hey, I did it myself, right? So it's time to get a website. I got all this stuff in my head. I got all these notes from, from classes and this and that. I know how to structure it out and I'm going to hook it up, right? I want Harriet Tubman coming out at the top. I want to do all this stuff, right? So uh, everything that's gonna that'll be aesthetically pleasing to me, not the public, right? Mm. Right. So 
I call my friend that's always from high school, man. He's helped me on everything. Um, my man, Steve, he's the one that developed the, um, the logo for the Fatherhood Foundation and all that. So uh, um, I call C's and I said, yo, man, I got, man, I can't believe this. I got, I lost my thoughts. I got, I got to bring me back. What was this? Oh, man. It's all good, brother. It's all, it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> I forgot. Dang. My brain be moving so fast, man. I gotta come back to it. That's all good. Listen, <laughs> that's all good. Listen, we we all old. The only one, the only young boy here is Rod. We all old. We all forget our, our thoughts, man. Rod, the only young boy here, man. So I be forgetting stuff mid sentence too, bro. So don't even don't even trip about it. You earned the right, bro. You got all that knowledge up there, man. So you earned the right. You earned the right. So you good, doc. You good in my eyes. <laughs> you good oh, in my yeah. eyes. But yo, let's 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 move on, man. So speaking of, you know, seeing things through, speaking of, um, you know, uh, making sure that you complete the process, man. One of the things that really stood out to me, man, and I was following you on social uh, media, man, and you started this uh, gun buyback initiative, man. And it was crazy because I've seen people do this before. I've seen people, you know, start this thing. And like I said, some people never finish it. But man, like you were literally hitting the streets. You were literally uh, having, you know, you were posting videos, man. You had you got the chance to talk to the big wigs about stuff in Congress and, and city and city officials. Man, talk to us about why this gun buyback initiative is so important to you and what uh, what special impact that it have on you so much so that you had. You know, we know about the things that go on in the street, but to actually have somebody like you doing it, like somebody that's lived this, somebody that's really doing this, because it's, it's one thing for somebody outside the neighborhood to do it, because it's like you're outside the neighborhood. You really don't experience this. But for somebody that's in the neighborhood that sees this every day, especially the part of the city that uh, uh, Fathership Foundation is in, man, you definitely got to talk to us about that, man. So hit us with how you how it came about and then, you know, what's going on currently today with, with your initiative. Okay, so now my thought comes back. <laughs> so let me just say that what I learned from the experience when I was doing the website, it was the website. That's what it was, it was the website. I did it myself. And I got people, I got my man sees, he helped me out, he helped me do it. I, we, I did it myself. It was exact same text that it has today, exact same everything. I mean, I'll make some updates over the years, but basically this the same thing. And I kept saying, hey, yo, man, go to my website. Go to my website. Hey, man, go to my website. People didn't like it. All I could say, which was a mistake, was that I did it myself. So what? So what? You did it. What's the, of what significance is that? Go get an expert. So important. I, Got an expert to do my website for a reduced price. It was eight hundred dollars back then, two thousand fifteen. We still have that same website today. Mm. Is this so? My first program that I got. This is why when you're having doing a business, you got to have a very strong online presence, right? A very strong footprint. Because I got my first program with the uh, Christiana School District, for six thousand dollar contract, something that I charge thirty seven thousand dollars for today. Um, I got two different funders that gave me the money and they said, and the one funder called me because they're going to check on you. They're going to try to vet you. And she said, we have to talk. And I said, well, okay, sure. So next day we came in, she said, um, yeah, we went online and the Fathership Foundation, that's a national organization. 
I said, did you go to the board of directors? That's me. <laughs> it's not national. It's not national yet, but that's me. The point being, they thought the site was so good that I had lied about what it was. But that was operating on a high standard. Always keep the standards high, and always get the experts to do it. Let them do it. What do you wait? What you can't have weak ego needs like that. Your identity should not need to do it. It's not going to help you at all. Now, if you're the best at it, then that's going to have at it. But that was what I wanted to, that was a thought that I lost. Now, with the um, gum buybacks, so, this is my, I got to put my research scientist hat on for this one. All right. In Philadelphia, between 1990 and 2020, right, there's been on the average, I'm not saying this, I'm off the hook right now, but it's been on the average 300 uh, murders a year. So what does that tell us as scientists? That the average is 300. That means you add up all the years and divide it by them, the shootings by them, that's the average, that's the mean, the average number. So what that tells us, unfortunately, using deductive reasoning is that nothing has changed. Mm. Live through marches, rallies, police, local police, FBI, state task forces, marches, warm and fuzzy, speeches, mothers crying on camera, and nothing has changed. So objectively, we need to do something different. What is that? Taking into consideration the data that there's so many guns and millions and millions and millions of guns, and we have laws that kind of um allow it right because of our society we have to take a scientific approach and say what can we do to get the guns off of the street and in a capitalist society you really need to buy them and also in our society you have different stratospheres of people in economics different socioeconomic economic levels so, and we also know about slavery, poverty, and all that. And we also know that the people that are committing these crimes or these murders are coming from specific zip codes. So my brain says, take money, go to those zip codes, buy the guns, because they're in need. And that's like that's the 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 short version of the story. Let me turn this food off. Hold on. So sorry, brother. You're good. People. It's all good. It's all good. Um, wow. Um, listening to the to that to that to that law of averages there, that that's crazy. And you know, he said a lot of valid things. Like he said that nothing has changed. You know, we've seen mothers crying on cameras. We've seen, you know, we've we know people that have suffered that. You know, and um, it's 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 really crazy. But he's back. So go ahead, Doc. Yeah, so the issue is this. I'm from the streets, right, man? You know, whatever. Or street-oriented, have experiences um, in, 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 in certain activities and stuff um, over time. And we're all, so, uh, uh, we all are a sum total of our experiences. So, and I bring my experiences with me. And some of those weren't always the best, but at any rate, they, they were rich. So I've been shot more than a few times, right? The last time put me in the wheelchair. I know the, from my experiences, I also know the circumstances under which guns are sold every day, all day. And we have to 
take advantage of that information. We wouldn't be prudent and diligent if we did not. So I know how much guns cost on the street. I know that um, if you paid it between $500 and $1,000 for them, they will fly off the streets. They will fly off the streets. And we have to um, resist the, um, the urge to psychoanalyze people that we don't know. Are they criminals? All these assumptions. They go, why would a criminal sell his tools? Why is a criminal going to do this? You don't, you don't, you don't have a crystal ball. It doesn't work like that. Um, you got to use the science. So you put the money up and then you see what happens. You measure it and then you do it again. If they don't do it, then you say, forget it. But I'm willing to uh, barter that it will, it will work. Now, uh, New York, um, um, the city of, I think the state of New York, or Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Brooklyn took my idea and had the most successful gun, buy, gun buyback in the history of New York State. And this was just two months ago. Wow. In Philly, is that it's cultural. Um, it's going to take a little bit more debate. And you also need data. So I'm, complete, we, I'm working on a national study now, national gun violence study, that's um, being conducted in four different cities collectively. So it's um, Brooklyn, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Wilmington. So what we're doing is collecting data on 16 to 24-year-olds, asking them different questions, um, a range of questions regarding opportunity, um, culture, violence, poverty, guns, gun buybacks is part of is part of the, the the questionnaire, part of the survey. So um, part of the tool. So what I asked in the in the survey, it's the data that we're collecting. Um, I asked um, if you had one gun, would you sell it? Um, if you had, you know, the questions are geared around under what circumstances would you sell them? And we we having some pretty some some promising data. So we'll we'll know we'll we'll have some hard numbers on how people feel about selling their weapons um, in about six to seven months. Wow, that's great. I think the, the question that I have is, um, cause I, I noticed that you did get a chance to speak to uh, city representatives. You got to bring this before the city, right? Yeah. yeah so what was, what was, what, what was the, re what was the response, you know, from the city? Because I, I, I know that the city would love to, to, um, for lack of a better term, so into what you're doing, and uh, what was the response you got from this from the city? I see it's the response that everybody generally gives. We have to we have to openly, you know, we have to debate it. We have to discuss it. It's like they can't see themselves giving African Americans, black people, certain zip codes, money for guns because they view them a certain way. And cultural violence is the prominent or prevailing attitudes or beliefs about certain people, right? That um, that that people hold that creates an atmosphere where these people are not getting their 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 natural needs met. So if you say they crazy down there in one nine one four two. Lock them all up. They are criminals. That's an issue. Because you're going at a zip code. You're saying because they're black, just like they're crazy anyway. They're shooting hundreds and hundreds of times. Just lock them all up. That's never the case. You know, there's always some nuance. 
there's always a reason why. There's always a, a, a deep core reason, and then there's a precipitous reason for almost everything. But we know the core problem is poverty. You solve that, there's no more gun problem. You know, you got to solve that. So when you don't, you have all the things that we see are basically um, byproducts of structural inequality, which is the formal or informal ways in which people in certain zip codes are inhibited um, from getting their natural needs met when it comes to health, wealth, and um, education. So for example, for the black people in certain zip codes, the black kids, they're lagging behind their white counterparts, you know, between 28 and 32 points in reading and math in fourth and eighth grade. Um, uh, the, the young guys are not living to be grandparents. That's a health issue. Um, people, whole communities are not making a livable wage. That's a wealth issue. So all of it, all, most of the violence comes back to structural violence. And then the cultural violence, like I said, the attitudes about the people in the zip codes that make you treat them different. So if you don't want to really give somebody a thousand dollars for an illegal gun because they're black or because you see them as a criminal. They're just going to go buy another one. They're going to go buy some. You don't know what they're going to do. What you do know is that that gun cannot kill anybody, and that's what you got to get, get it out of their hands. Also, um, it cost about a quarter million dollars to prosecute somebody successfully for a murder. Quarter million. And well, I think the, between two, 200,000 and a quarter, I got, I don't have the data in front of me. Then it costs about 2 million plus to incarcerate them for the rest of their life. Right. That's, that's after you got, after you caught them, you did the police work because people get, the police are called after somebody gets killed. Got to remember that part. The cops not doing their job. How? What defies logic. How are they going to do their job before you do a crime? You do the crime, they go get you. That's how it works. So we can't really blame law enforcement. Of course, we can, you know, there are things that we can do, um, you know, um, community policing, creating programs that, that foster interaction between, positive interaction between law enforcement and our youth and our community. But, hey, you know, we got to get it together, man. This is how we, this is how we got to do it. I think if we get this, get these gun buybacks started, um, I think it'll work. The problem is, you have to get a funding source. And I, like you said, you know, he asked me that I talk to, um, you know, a lot of civic and political leadership in Philly. Yeah, they all, many of them agree, but they're saying, where's the money going to come from? You see what I'm saying? So I think that the, when they did it in New York, it was more um, the business community. So that's what I'm going to be going. This coming up, I'll be going at the business community. So we got this, the support of, of the civic and political leadership, which is the, where do you pull the money from? And maybe if you're able to raise the money outside of um, government, then government can come along and, and support you in a different way. Man, listen, women lie, men lie, but numbers don't lie. <laughs> so, man, man, just to hear those numbers is so disheartening, man, to hear, to hear those numbers, man. But I'm so glad that a person, uh, you know, a man of your stature, man, has the, those those numbers to back things up. And um, man, like 
this is so much knowledge, man. I really hope that the culture fam is soaking all of this up, man, because you are really saying a lot of things, man. I, it's, I almost want to just, I almost want to get angry because it's like, why? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that because this ain't the show for that. But, you know, uh, bro, Doc, Doc, man, like you, you haven't liked us so much this tonight, man. And um, you have dropped so much knowledge, man. And we are, we are really grateful to have you here tonight, man. Um, Ra, CK, you know, before we move on, man, um, I, like I said, man, much love and respect to you, Doc, man. And like I said, I knew, I knew, I, I knew, I, I knew, I knew you was the guy from day one. So, but anyway, I'll get into it. We can talk about that later. But Ra, CK, you know, y'all want, y'all want to have, you know, you know, we, you got the culture from me, but I know my wife, my wife is lighting the comment section up tonight. Cause you dropping some gems, bro. So, <laughs> so Rossi K man, y'all, y'all, y'all got something y'all want to add, man, before we move on to this last thing. Um, I mean, you know, wifey is, is just, you know, she's got a lot of wows. Um, you know, she, she's got a lot of wows, a lot of agreement going on there. Um, but you know, you know, and you know, I mean, it's a lot, man. You, you said a lot, Doc, and, and you know, I, I appreciate it. Um, wish there were more people yes. you know, that yes. just wanted, yes. not just wanted to do something, but wanted to see it through, um, you know, and really cared about if it happened or not. Um, and, and I think that really just one of the many things that kind of sets you apart is that you, you actually cared and still care whether or not it happens. Um, that those no's are, are only, you know, opportunities to, to find an answer somewhere mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, an end to it. Um, and I really appreciate that. I really do. Because um, I know so many people out there. Um, we used to talk about gun buybacks and kind of laugh sometimes. But it's like you're going to give somebody, um, you're going to give me a $50 supermarket card um, I can take that gun and go make that real quick um, mm-hmm. and keep my weapon, keep my peace. Um, so, you know, and I know a lot of cats um, growing up who felt that way, who did that, um, you know, and, and so, you know, that that whole, you know, health, wealth and education thing is, is important. You know, I, I, I think about where my daughter just came from um, and how the community um, and the high school that she goes to, as opposed to the other high schools in the same district, you know, this is a black community and the funding, the education, everything is just subpar. Um, the scores are incredibly low. And yet the other schools, the counterpart schools, you know, are, you know, five star schools. And this one is like a half star, like, you know, but yet they get their funding from the same place and, you know, should be afforded the same opportunities, but it's not because, you know, that zip code is looked at in a particular way and treated as such. Guess what? Um, that speaks to the structural inequality. So structural inequality, I'm, and I'm glad you said that about the school, because structural inequality could be formal or informal. So formal is Jim Crow apartheid. You can't go to certain schools. You can't sit on the front of the bus. That's structural. It's in the law. It's a structure. It's in the law. You can't get around it. Well, also because of cultural violence, because of the way that people view the prominent or um, prevailing attitudes about the people, in, in the, the, the poor people, people in certain zip codes, the issue is they, the, pub, the public opinion is in the wrong place. 
So if you mm -hmm. get killed at a traffic stop, you don't get the death penalty at a traffic stop, I don't care if you resist it. But it's the attitudes about the people that makes that stuff possible. And that's what creates the situation with, with, the, with your daughter's school. It's structural. So another example, like the school would be, if in 19143, we have a crappy hospital that doesn't have the latest um, uh, cancer research or cancer uh, debar department. So who lives in 19142 or where that zip code is? Black people. So what's going to happen? Those women, even though cancer um, research has hit new heights and there's new, new, new therapies and new ways to address cancer, in this neighborhood, because of the crappy hospital and because of the, the, the lack of the cancer care, they have more women, black women are dying here. That's structural. The same thing, like if you have younger teachers, if you're overcorrecting, if your principal is not a, a good leader, but what, what can the 10 year old that go to that school do about that? That's structural. So you have to address structural violence. That's what it is. Because at the end of the day, the ladies die of cancer, right? That's violence. Your kid drops out. That's not good. So it's structural mm -hmm. violence, cultural violence. And then the direct violence is what we see on the news every night. But the core is the structural violence. If you don't, African-Americans only hold 2% of the nation's wealth. As a doctor, I can tell you, a person that deals with statistics and things of that nature, is that that Wow. Statistic is that that contrast, that disparity is statistically impossible without something from the environment because mm -hmm. humans are not that far apart as far as skills, intelligence, any of that for one group to have for every, for, for example, for every $5 that a black family has nationwide, Nationwide, the white family has 100. How is that? That is not a natural wow. of finances, talent, you know, it's not natural distribution. That's impossible. But you know what makes it possible? If you have 4 million people that are free and you don't give them anything, you just made them poor. You give them oppressive laws. You you give them Jim Crow, red line, um, educational um, discrimination, housing discrimination, um, political, you take their right to vote for 100 years. If you get it in 1871, and they don't get it enforced until 1964, 65. Okay. That's why black people are in the situation they're in, not because they're lazy, don't want to do no work. Listen, you cannot apply a microeconomic solution, which is the individual, duh, 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 to a macroeconomic problem where all the blacks together only got 2% of the wealth. That means 98% of the wealth is with somebody else. Because of Jim Crow, because of institutional racism, because of structural violence, it, it inhibited the, the, the development of black wealth. And wealth is either passed down in vivo or post-mortem. In vivo means while you're alive, grandma, can I get a loan for my starter house? I'm 24. You own your house. I'll take out a 
loan, equity loan and give you five thousand. You know what I mean? You can get your house. You see what I'm saying? It's passed down. Or after you did, grandma left me the house. But African Americans are starting at ground zero. If I could snap my finger and everybody, every African American had a PhD, it would not close the wealth gap. So so much for working hard and getting an education. If everybody had one, it wouldn't close it. It wouldn't close it. And that's crazy. So another show, another subject is reparations. <laughs> you got that's the only way you can fix it. It's the only way you can fix it is you gotta pay for the the economists say on the low end, on the high end, it was ninety-eight trillion dollars stolen and stolen labor from the slaves from 1619 and trillion. Now that's on the high end. On the low end, they say it's about fifty, right? Let's make the difference. Let's say, I mean, twenty-seven. So let's 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 look at it in the middle. At least fifty trillion was taken. Every no United States. And I think we have to. What I one of the things that I do, you know, that really they instilled in me at Cheney is knowing the history. Mm -hmm. from high school i was always interested in like greece and rome and learn more about that by the time i was a sophomore i remember finding out about octavius b Cato on certain guys from the 1870s i was like Man, they was thorough dang these guys are really moving and shaking how come i don't know about them and i said wow i know all this stuff about greece and rome and alexander the great and caesar and octavian and this and that, I don't know nothing about reconstruction. Because at that time, about 2006, I got really, really involved in what happened between 1865 and 1877. So let me ask you a question. When were the slaves freed? How did it happen? Really don't, we have to really be familiar with that. Okay, was it the, was it the uh, Emancipation Proclamation? Was it the 13th Amendment? These are kind of things that we really have to know as a people. So to answer the question, freedom came in five different steps. The first step was straight leaving, ran away, Harriet Tubman and all that. That's the first freedom we got. Get to Philadelphia, you're good. New York, Canada, you're good, right? The second step was after the Civil War started because the slave states wanted to have a, a, a labor camp society, right? That's what they wanted. B built on the backs of black people because at the time they enjoyed a 60% monopoly of cotton globally. Globally. The only reason England did not get into the Civil War was when they blockaded the Mississippi was because they had already abolished slavery and they could not be seen as fighting for slavery on the international stage. The United States didn't care. They said, listen, we're gonna, the, the, the slave states, we're gonna start the CSA, the Confederate States of America, and slavery mm -hmm. is perpetual. Now, the war ends. Luckily, that, none of that stuff happened. <clears throat> but we, actually, before the war ended, the second, the, second, the second step of our freedom was the Confiscation Act. That means when the Union Army came in, and took over a territory, those slaves were free. So that's our second freedom, running away, then the first confiscation act. Then there was a second confiscation act. Then Lincoln says, you know what? I'm about to, we got to stop this, this civil war. 
right? Let's get back to normal, United States of America. Listen, you can keep your slaves, or I'm, I'm about to free them if you don't stop this silliness. They wouldn't stop it. So January 1st, I'm freeing all the slaves on the Confederate side as a war measure. The reason why he couldn't just say all the slaves are free, we back to normal, is because of the property rights that are in, um, included in the Constitution. So then, after he, he ends up getting killed, but at the last step to our freedom, because the emancipation is what? It's just an executive order. The next president can come in and say, we're done with that, right? So what they did was they did the EP, and then he ended up getting killed, and then they amended the darn uh, Constitution itself that there could be no more slavery, and that's the 13th Amendment. Then followed by the 14th, which gave us citizenship, which what, what are we? What are we? We're just here. Well, the Bill of Rights, um, freedom to, uh, you know, bear arms and uh, all men are created equal and um, uh, uh, freedom of speech and all that. Those were federal laws. They were not, they were not um, enforced on the state level. States' rights. No, try to go to um, Mississippi and do a free, do a, a, a anti-slavery speech and see what happens to you. There was no, the Bill of Rights didn't apply to the states. So what happens is John Bingham, the author of the 14th Amendment, he brings the Bill of Rights to the states. And that's the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law. They just really went crazy on it. And, and also birthright citizenship. And that was the Civil Rights Acts of 1866-67. Right, we got the right to vote with the 15th. So it's the 13th was our freedom. 14th was citizenship, 15th was the right to vote. Between 1865 and 77, we were chilling, chilling. The literacy rate went from five to 8% to 12 to 15%. 200,000 African-Americans learned how to read in that little bit of time. But it was just like the Obama um, uh, election when the 500,000 black voted for the first time voting in Grant, he then turns the, the uh, U.S. Calvary, sends them down into the South to stop the insurrection because everybody's the KKK, the pale faces, the red shirts, they're just going crazy, just lynching black people, killing pregnant women, going nutty. He wins the election, sends the army down there, shuts it all down and puts down five military districts. This is military reconstruction. Black people are making money, they, 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 they're building churches, they're being mailmen, they're doing, they, they, and people are like, wow. But the white folks, conservative whites, could not stomach the same, the changes in social order that were codified by the 13th, 14th, and 15th, because they still wanted to believe that we were inferior, that we were criminal, that we were all of this stuff. And in 1877, after we had did so well, they pulled the military out of the South. And that's generally where our history starts, with Jim Crow hanging and uh, almost 80 years later, you get Martin Luther King, or in 54, you get Brown versus Board of Education and all that kind of stuff. But this is the history that we gotta know. So them five steps is uh, running away first. First confiscation that, second confiscation that. Emancipation Proclamation, 13th Amendment. That's how we got here. That's how we're on this podcast today. Or if we be over there down south somewhere. Yeah. I had to get that one there, man. I, and I, I guess 
history, man. You know what I mean? Man, let's <laughs> go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. That was um I don't even there's nothing really else to say to that, man. I I, <laughs> I should have bought a notebook and I should have <laughs> man, it's a lot. That's a you get a class right there. The 27th, man, we doing it big, man. Uh, you know what I mean? Steph been there before. It's really going down, man. You know, it's the mayoral election, too, where a lot of candidates are declaring candidacy. And uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, our civic and political leadership in the building as well. So definitely, y'all definitely got to come through. Well, definitely, man. Um, the invitation and extended is has been extended, so you know I can I can accept on behalf of us. I don't know if we all can make it, but at least one of us can be there. Um, man, like that was a whole lecture and everything, man. So like I'm 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 blown away. Get please, somebody, please get this man a a, a lecture, a classroom, or something. Somebody got to get this man a classroom. Take notes on that. Yeah, we need we need to we we see Doc, you you impacted us so bad, man, that we got it. We got it right there. You can see it on the screen. Somebody got them steps. <laughs> Somebody got them steps. <laughs> Somebody got them steps, man. Always you can always follow me on you know at Fathership Foundation, man, to see what's going on. I'm always dropping some stuff for you know. Doc, hey, Doc, you moving too fast, man. See now now you moving too fast. I got will you back in because we got one more thing we got to get to before we end it out, man. Because I think this is the 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 most important one, maybe not the most important, but um, it signifies that you've made such a significant impact on the community. And when you start to do things like this, gun back, gun buyback initiatives, man, and and promoting change in the community, I start to see you. I start to see you from everywhere. And when I start to see you, that means you're getting noticed. And then when you get noticed, people start to what? Give in to you. And one of the things that blessed me so much, man, is when I saw you get that donation from oh. Gillian Wallow, man. That blessed my heart so much, man. I was like, cause I was like, I, you know, cause I'm in the background, I'm praying for you cause I know your mission and you know, I can't be there all the time, but I know that prayer can reach where I can't physically right. where I can't. So, um, yeah, so um, what I want, you know, just the, the, and this is the last thing, and then we're gonna let you go. But I, I want you to talk about that that donation. That how did you even like come to know that they were donating to you, and then how did that impact, and like how did that make you feel personally, and then how did that, you know, make you feel for the 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 the, the uh, I can't even talk no more because I'm so excited. The uh, the company. Now, I don't want to say the company, but but you you know you're you you're what you're doing. Like, how did that impact you, man? And how did it impact the company? Well, um, man, I gotta give all honor to God, man, because He's the one that saw it through. So, um, as you know, I've been doing this since 2013 because I went and got into the, the master's program in 2012, and then just went. I stayed in school all the way to 2018. So, um. You know, man, um, funding is always an issue, um, but I kind of got the hang of it. It's about, um, it's just a couple of things you have to have in order. Um, your fiscal house has to be in order as far as um, finances. And then um, opportunities come. So there's three different ways that you can raise money in nonprofit space. That's through federal grants, you know, government grants, many grants, things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And you have corporate responsibility divisions and like Foot Locker, IBM somewhere. Then you have your individuals, right? And if you're doing the work and presenting it correctly, people like you were saying, that people are gonna people are gonna gonna watch. So it was just God give me the strength to keep going 
and to find the money to keep going and to just grow. So first, you know, the, the DA gave me 30,000. Then um, over the pandemic, I was given another 70. And then they came and gave me 100. So it was just like, it's all G-O-D. So like I say, and like, I'm not the, like for the kind of Christian that I am, right? I'm just keep it a being with you, right? I'm not the kind of person, I grew up in church. I'm not the person to um, really stand and clap sometimes. I'm not the person to always get filled with the spirit, but when I feel it, I feel it. You see what I'm saying? So, and that, so I wasn't, I'm not always like the, the um, I would say like a Bible thumper, but I was talking to my cousin, he's a pastor. And I was like, man, I think I like, like we grew up being told to witness. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, sometimes I don't, you know what I mean? I don't be feeling like witnessing, bro. And he was like, listen, your example, just do that. Do your example. So I put more into my example than trying to be awkward and trying to witness because that's not my thing. And if we start talking and we get into it, then that's cool. We can have a discussion just walking up on people cold and stuff like that. That's how I was raised. And I really kind of moved the other way from that, but I still have obligations to my faith. So, um, just being on the politics, you know what I'm saying? Spreading the word. So my whole thing was, am I, am I doing enough? He's like, nah, do your example. So that's what I've been doing. And I haven't always been the best example either. So it's, it's something that I work on, you know, cause, um, when I moved from Delaware, back to philly my church home changed and that mean more streaming online not actually going into the <laughs> into the actual fellowship you know what i mean so i had to find another um uh church home which i found um and i'm just excited about that and that and that, that that keeps me keeps me focused but it's really god that you know his eyes on the sparrow so it's like he's gonna he's gonna make sure we're good you know what i'm saying just keep doing what i'm doing not saying if i'm if I mess up, I won't fail. But if I just keep doing what I'm doing, God gonna bless me. He's just gonna, you know, you know, my house is in many mansions. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm on. Oh yeah, I forgot. You said how did the money impact us? It impacted <laughs> a whole lot, brother. Doc, you there? Okay. So that was the main thing. So we're definitely having the turkey drive, our bike drive. We gave around $15,000 worth of bikes, a um, couple thousand worth of turkeys. Um, and we do that because in, in addition to our, um, in addition to our, uh, uh, our meat and potatoes programming, we also um, do cultural enrichment events year round. So for example, we have our, like I said, turkey drive, bike drive, year-round voter education initiative, right? So we're touching the community year-round seasonally, right? And then now we're, we got our man-to-man -man doing that two months, I mean, two times a month, right? Connecting with those guys. Then we have our in-school um, academic fathership program. So all these things, they, 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 they cost money to do. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you want to, <laughs> it's like, you can't have, make no impact without funding to do it. And that's why I came, you know, got the theory, got to, you know, to learn about the finances, how to do budgets and all that kind of stuff. Because it's, if not, the stuff would be in the, the program graveyard. So I thank God for that, um, 
for that particular donation, we just got another 45,000 45, from the um from the governor, and we just putting it to work. You see what I'm saying? So to, uh, be 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 looking out for our um, interfaith prayer breakfast and uh, jobs fair that's coming up, and then after that, we're going to be doing the um, college and trades fair for the kids before they before they graduate. And then we're going to be doing our two-on-two basketball tournament for fathers and children. So we're just busy around the board. We also are moving into housing, um, dealing with the guys. There's a lot of guys on State Road that generally are on house arrest, and they're, they're able to, to, to leave the jail on probation, but they have nowhere to go. We want to definitely be uh, a safety net um, for those guys. Also, we're going to residential rehabilitation, where we have a lot of our older community that may have got um had an uh, an acute injury and then it turned into a chronic injury so or they have a chronic situation where and the research says that people die when they're in, the, in, in facilities and nursing homes we want to move them out of there using the residential residential rehabilitation waiver to move those our seniors out of the um out of those institutions and into residential situations that we'll be hosting uh what else we we, we um you're gonna see when you come this time, Steph, that we the back room is now another computer lab. And that's thanks to uh Wallow and them. So instead of this eight computers, we got about like like 20 now all together. 16, 15, 16, 40 for, for the kids when I we got an after school program as well. Um they funded a lot of the food. Um a lot of the kids would come to us at about two o'clock for the after school program, but they have um but they haven't eaten since about 11, 12. So they, you know, so we have to start feeding them. I used to do a pizza party on Thursday and Friday, but I realized to keep order, I had to feed them every day. So we started doing that. That was, um, that was um, with some assistance from Wallow and Gilly. It's just a blessing, man. They really just looked out, man. And God has been. Those are the only grants that we. You know, we don't post every grant that we get. You know, so that was a, that was a bigger one. You know what I'm saying? But you know, they come around a couple times a month, man. We're just happy to be able to um, be in position. To do God's will and help His people. Yeah, yo, man, uh, man, this has been impactful for us, man. I, I know it's been impactful for for my guys, man. To have you on, man, and to 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 go into such um discussion and detail about different things, man, and educating us, man, educating our people, man, giving us real Black history, man. This is so fitting for February being Black History Month and having somebody like you on, man. That is. That's a wealth of knowledge, man, and doing so many great things, man. I can't thank you a million times for coming on, man. Seriously, I cannot, man. The things that you have, the ways that you've impacted us tonight, man, and 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 the information that you dropped on us, man, it is going to help us impact the world, man. And I'm so glad to have a, a partnership with you, man. And I know that Culture Gang is is we got your back, bro. Any any time that you you the gang can come out and help, man, just let us know, man. I, I and I know I'm, I'm saying it, and I hope that my guys agree with me here, because <laughs> I'm just kind of just speaking for all of them. But um, you know, bro, like what you what you have done, man, is 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 deserving, is noteworthy, man. And we thank you so much because you you um. You know, you kind of just kind of you kind of gave everybody all your information. So I don't even need to ask you yet. What's your information? Because you just gave it all out. So <laughs> a fellowship foundation community learning center, you know, 946 South 65th Street. We there every day. 
Also, man, just follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Fathership Foundation. You know, we, all, we try to do something every month, but every, sometimes it's like two or three. Something. The latest would be, a, you know, do something once a quarter if, we, if we're not doing too good. But generally, we try to do it um, once, once a month when we're on our job. Great, great, man. Great. So that's the information, y'all. Listen, man, if anything is worth sowing into, this is worth sowing into. Fathership Foundation, you know, if you want to, you know, drop a donation, man, go by yeah. see Dr. John at his office, man. Go by. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Zach. You can also go to our website to donate, too. It's real easy. Just go to just go to donate <clears throat> fathershipfoundation.org. And the thing what people got to realize is that you can't do this. You know, it has to be there genuinely in your heart. But to hire people and to do things, even as a, a small program is like man to man that you're familiar with stuff. Yeah. Twenty two. That piece is gonna cost, you know, those guys to, you know what I mean? Time costs, electric, all that. So it's important that we get donations, man. If you find it in your heart, something small, ten, twenty dollars, man, just uh go to our website, fathershipfoundation.org, get donate and then do your thing. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, final words from my, my compadres, man, before we close it out for the night. Ah, man, it's um, it's been such an educational, informative, encouraging time, man. I, I'm so uh, I'm so happy that you were able to share what you shared. And I know that everything that you share is beneficial to the to our community um, and to the whole culture. You know, and this is culture gang, you know what I mean? So you definitely impacted the culture fam tonight. That's for sure. So, man, we appreciate you. Um, and like I said, we definitely got to have you back on. Um, oh, man, it's calling. We, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we we know you got way more uh, inside <laughs> that we need that, you know, we need to hear. Um, so I appreciate you, man. And definitely whatever I can do, I'm there to support for sure. One, 1000%, whatever I can do. Um, so yeah, I appreciate your time, man. You're welcome, man. Yeah, definitely, man. Dr. Jonathan Wilson Jr., man, appreciate you um, so much. Um, not just for tonight, man, but just kind of looking back, um, just reading through the bio. I, I've been on the website, um, just really checking some things out. Definitely looking forward to part two, man. I have, you know, questions that I couldn't um, couldn't really ask tonight. You know, I wanted to wanted to dig into your mind a little bit more on that. Um, I was reading about the human capital theory, um, you know, and, and just you know, yeah, how, yeah, man. I, we 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 got to talk. <laughs> you know, I really really want to, um, you know, just because it, it's just some things. Show. Yeah, whole nother show, man. There's some things that's hitting me. You know, that's really hitting my spirit. Um, about using, you know, that concept in conjunction with the word to really get the change that's needed, um, especially in our communities that are, you know, definitely underserved um, in so many different instances, as you articulately, excellently pointed out, man. And, you know, I, I appreciate you, bro. I really do um, what you stand for and, and what you're doing. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of things in the comments. Um, people want to know um, how they can help and everything else. We'll direct them to your website. Um, Culture Fam, if, if y'all missed it, you know, just email us as usual. Um, we'll direct you to the website as well. Um, but that's, you know, www.fathershipfoundation.org, O-R-G. 
Um, so definitely check that out. Um, I, you know, I, I, I stand in agreement with my brothers, you know, culture gang is there for you. Um, whatever you need us to do, um, you, know, you let us know when, and we will represent to the fullest. Hey, thanks so much, man. Doc, man, you, you, my man, a hundred grand, man. And I, I, like I said, I appreciate you, man. I, I just appreciate the, the, the God connections, man. Like, like I said, you, you never know, you know, who's going to have an impact, what's going to have an impact. You know, you never know why you, you meet the people that you do, but I definitely know why I met you. So man, um, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much, man. And, um, yeah, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my best to be there Monday, bro. I, I really am, man. I'm gonna try my best to be there. <clears throat> But if I can't, man, I, I'll definitely, I'll definitely let you know because I owe you that much, man. Oh, um, man. man, that's the show tonight, man. So look, man, tonight's show is this is something that you need to share. So y'all know the deal: like, share, subscribe, man. Y'all can find us, Culture Gang, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, Patreon. Yo, find us, man. Um, this show is already live, so you know if you missed it, you can just replay it back. Man, it's a lot of great information, a lot of nuggets, man, a lot of encouragement, a lot of uh, and a lot of um rebuke too. <laughs> so, but it's done in a, it's done in a great way and it's done in an encouraging way because a lot of us, you know, a lot of us drop the ball when we're trying to finish things, man. And, and Doctor, one of the things Doctor John said, you gotta finish. You have to finish. You know, you can start. You, you we all start out great, just like the new year. We make these resolutions and it's like, yes, we're going to do this. And then about by February, you don't forgot everything that you don't promise yourself that you was going to do, but you got to finish. There's so much power in finishing. Yes. He that has begun a good work in you. I ain't going to preach. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to preach. I ain't going to get into it. No. But anyway, man, Dr. John, we love you, man. Thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight, man. And this has been Culture Gang, man. And look, we out, man. We'll see y'all in two. Okay. <laughs> gang. Gang, gang. <laughs>